Unlock the secrets to thriving in the digital commerce space. We're bringing you exclusive insights from Tim Bucciarelli, a mastermind at the intersection of technology and e-commerce. Exploring Tim's varied experience, from his beginnings as a Magento merchant to his present position as Director of Engagement at Iron Plain, this conversation offers invaluable insights for anyone seeking to enhance their online business. Join me as I explore the evolving landscape of e-commerce platforms, the crucial role of technology in retail, and how to forge successful client-agency partnerships. This episode is your must-listen guide if you want to stay ahead in the competitive e-commerce arena. Make sure to subscribe for more insightful episodes like this. Welcome to Talk Commerce the podcast where we unpack the world of e-commerce and online marketing. I'm Brent Peterson, and each week we bring you the latest insights and strategies to help your business thrive online. Talk Commerce is produced and supported by ContentBasis.io. This podcast is my creative outlet and has been going now for three years. We are approaching 1,000 downloads every week and growing. If you are new to this podcast, give it a listen or check out the fantastic content on our website. From exploring effective marketing tactics to dissecting the trends shaping the digital marketplace, we've got you covered, and we're here to guide you through the ever-evolving landscape of e-commerce. But we're not just here to talk, we're here to engage. Got thoughts, questions, or you want to hear a really funny joke? I'd love to hear from you. Email me at brent at talkcommerce.com and let's keep the conversation going. Ready to boost your online presence? Tune in and stay ahead of the curve with Talk Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe for the full experience and share your feedback. You're listening to Talk Commerce. Subscribe and download at talk-commerce.com. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Tim Bucciarelli from Iron Plane. Tim, go ahead, tell us your uh, day-to-day role and one of your passions in life. Uh, sure, Brent, pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so at Iron Plane, I'm what's called Director of Engagement. And that's kind of a made-up uh, department because it comprises marketing, sales, client success, and partnerships. Wow. So I came up with engagement just because all of those involve a level of engagement with each of those parties. And, um, you know, I like wearing a lot of hats. So this is the perfect situation for me. I'm a former Magento merchant, and that's how I came to be at Iron Plane about four years ago now. Awesome. Um, and passions, any, anything exciting? I know you're in the Boston, so are you running the marathon in April? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not running the marathon. Um, I enjoy watching the marathon. I enjoy uh, knowing relatives who run marathons, but no. Passions for me, uh, technology, I'd say first and foremost. And um, I would say also writing is a passion of mine. That's awesome. Good. Um, so, Tim, before we get into content, um, I just wanted to I know that you volunteered to participate in the free joke project. So all I would like to do is just tell you a joke 
And all you have to do is say, should this joke be free? Or do you think at some point we should charge for it? And actually, I have a really good one for you today. So great. here we go. I'm looking forward to it. I got mugged by six dwarves last night. Not happy. That uh, that that doesn't need a paywall. I think that can be open source. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a thinking one. Most of my jokes, I try to make people think about them, but I know that normally I also have to explain them. But anyways, good. All right. Well, moving forward. Um, so I, I'm interested. You were a merchant before. Tell us the differences you see from the agency side now that you're sitting on the other side of the table. Um, so huge differences. Um, just the difference being, you know, as a merchant, you're watching um, the outflow of money. And as an agency, you're watching the inflow of money. So totally different sides of the same coin. Um, merchants are much more concerned about um, selling their product first and foremost and technology while not an afterthought, and it can be critical to the success of the business, it is not their primary concern. So really what it needs to do is operate seamlessly in the background. As an ed agency, it's, it's much more kind of front and center for us. So our day-to-day -day is this technology. So it's much more um, uh, important to kind of, I guess, dial in all the details of the technology for our clients. Um, I, I would say for me, it's been a really great experience coming into an agency and bringing my client perspective because it helps us, I think as an agency serve our clients better. Um, yeah. And my, my history also, I think specifically informs, uh, um, kind of my perspective within the agency related to the platforms that we, that we service. Do you find that you're, you can better set expectations with clients having you having been a client at some point? Yeah, I think, well, it's really about prioritizing um, open communication earlier. So not leaving anything to doubt, not leaving anything to misunderstanding and not leaving anything till the last minute because no client wants surprises. Um, especially when you're dealing with technology, which they may not be so familiar with, including the complexity of what you're doing for them, uh, the time that it takes for the work to be done, um, and how expensive it can be, honestly. Um, so the sooner you can communicate all of those factors to your client, I think the better. Do you think that in that, um, in that communication path with the client now, is there ever too much communication that a client like you, let's just say you were the merchant. Did you ever just get annoyed by the fact, Oh, they're telling me too many times or they're giving me too many updates or whatever from, from the agency side. Yeah. It depends a little bit on who you're talking to at the client. If you're talking to people who understand the technology, who understand the complexity, who understand the need for the details to be very well defined, then I think you can share a lot more information. If you're dealing with a CEO who is non-technical, then you need to share way less information. Um, and, and that's, I, I would say that there's a little bit of an art to that because it's still the same information that needs to be communicated, but it needs to be distilled in a way that makes it very understandable and and um, 
the impact of what you're saying will be the same. It just has to be delivered differently. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm leading down a path here because I I see that a lot of project managers just love to throw the list of Jira tickets into a report and say, here's all the stuff that we finished where you as the CEO have a hard time understanding what all these tickets even mean. And then yeah. there gets to be the amount of information. You're just like, I don't care what, what is, what happened? Like there has to be some distillation of, of that report into a, something that somebody can understand. Right. Yeah. And it's really, for us, it's one of two things will happen. Either we get into a routine where we'll, um, uh, kind of condense things once a month, once a quarter to the management team or the CEO or whoever it might be. Uh, and that's a much shorter conversation. Um, and maybe the day to day is more detailed. Similarly, if our day to day is really with a CEO, then it's, it's, it's a little bit trickier to be honest, because we don't have kind of that partner of technology understanding. Um, but it still works. We just have to more consistently communicate. So it's not once a month, it's not once a quarter, it's more consistently summarizing, you know, where we are not expecting, Hey, didn't you notice that in that JIRA ticket? Why are you asking me? You know, it's in the JIRA ticket, you know, <laughs> didn't you read that? That does not go anywhere. It's not helpful. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is we really try to cater to each client depending on how uh, they best receive information. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and I would imagine then you as, as the, at one time a merchant can understand the pain in getting a list of detailed tickets that you can't really attach to a feature or the thing you really wanted to go live. You see 30 tickets and like, does one of these have anything to do with I want what I want? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was really a learning process as a, as a client, as a merchant. Um, so I, I did my best to learn the technology as best I could ask as many questions as I could of, and, and iron plane was my agency when I was, when I was a merchant. So they, they did what's called a Magento rescue for us. So we were in a very bad situation with our Magento website and we did an RFP to get someone to help us out. So iron plane, that's where my relationship with iron plane started. Um, but as a client, I did my best because there is some responsibility on the client side as well. You know, it's not just a one way conversation with an agency sharing information to the client. It has to be a client who is capable of receiving that information. They're paying for it. So if they're not capable of receiving the information, understanding, processing that information and making the most of it, then that's, that's, you know, that's not the fault of the agency necessarily. So the client has to play a role, an active role in that receiving of that information and, and understanding it effectively. And so that's what I tried to do as a client. Yeah, that's, that's really good. That's really good advice and feedback. Um, so Iron Plane has traditionally always been a, a, a Magento agency, and more recently, because of many different factors that we may get into, um, you've started diversifying. What made you choose the different the different platforms that you've now chosen to kind of split off of, or not split, but just uh, to be more nimble? Let's say. Yeah, 
Well, it, a number of reasons. I'll, I'll tell you kind of the, the foundational reason, and that is we kind of came up with Magento 1, and Magento 1 was very attractive to what I'll call SMB, the small to mid-sized businesses. And it was attractive because it was open source, which meant free. And when you talk about a free e-commerce platform, a small or mid-sized merchant gets very excited because there's no subscription fee. You, uh, at least with Magento 1, you could actually manage it reasonably well with one full stack developer, contractor, in-house person. Like it was not so heavy that it required a full team of five to 10 developers, you know, in all these different categories of skills. Um, so what we found is that over time, when they migrated, those merchants migrated to Magento 2, they started to struggle because now the costs of maintaining that platform were much more than what they had anticipated. Their business hadn't grown quite as quickly. And so they felt very stuck and unhappy and they needed someone to help them. And they come to us because we know Magento very well. We quickly realize that they are on a platform that is way more than what they need. And so at that time we had options of Shopify and big commerce as two good SaaS platforms that you could transition a merchant from Magento over to. We weren't going to embrace two at one time. Um, Shopify seemed very, um, well supported in the market, uh, and big commerce seemed a little bit less supported in the market. So we chose big commerce, but also we chose big commerce because philosophically we aligned with their approach a little bit more than Shopify's approach. No, no, nothing bad to say about Shopify because it helps so many merchants succeed online. But generally speaking, um, you work within the Shopify world that they've created for you and big commerce allows you to, you know, it's still the big commerce world, but it's a much smaller and you can bring in different pieces and make it a little bit more of your own world. Um, and we'd like that philosophy. I'm interested in when you say philosophically, what, what was the, what was the, the points in which uh, big commerce seemed like a better fit philosophically. Uh, well, as I just described, like Shopify, you kind of go in, I'll just give one example at that time, um, Shopify, you go in to Shopify and you're, you're either finance, you're financially incentivized to use their payment processing, for example. And that's where Shopify makes a lot of their money. Big commerce, you could bring in whatever payment processor you wanted. That's just one example. We liked more freedom rather than less freedom. It's not to say that one is necessarily better across the board for all merchants, but it's just something that we preferred. Um, yeah, and you know, BigCommerce and Shopify are very different than Magento for an agency. I don't know if you've found this, but for me, um, Magento and Adobe Commerce require a lot of ongoing care and maintenance. And those are long-term relationships, partnerships with our clients. With BigCommerce and Shopify, it can be, it's not always, but it can be a one and done project. I need you to migrate me from Magento over to BigCommerce. Okay, done, we migrated you. Now what? Well, BigCommerce is pretty 
intuitive to use. And unless you need to make some substantial change, whether it's design or functionality or build an app, you know, plugins generally work pretty well, unless you need some special configuration. So as far as an agency ongoing work goes, it's way less um, than, than what Magento and Adobe Commerce offer. Yeah. So having said that, then um, the cost for the merchant theoretically would be less than the cost to run a Magento store unless you add complexity or. Uh, well, there's, you have to add everything into the mix. Um, so those are subscription based programs and Shopify, the subscription, um, is adjusted based on your revenue, big commerce, the subscription cost is based on the number of transactions. And yeah, at mean, least I, with Magento just... open source, there is no such subscription, but there's hosting and there's support. So in theory, if you were to take a pretty bare bones Magento site, you have hosting, you have some minimal support, you have no subscription fee. You can have whatever payment processor you want. It, it, you'd have to do the total cost of ownership, but generally we have found that the platforms like BigCommerce and Shopify tend to be less expensive over a, a five or six year period than Magento. Yeah, I, I think one thing that um, that people forget, especially with the, all the plugins, is that if the more plugins you add, they also have to get a little piece and a taste, as they would say in in the um, in the Sopranos world. Uh, so everybody's getting a little piece of the pie, and if you if you get too over, if you if you start doing too many of them, your cost is is oftentimes much more than it would be to run a Magento open source. Uh, yeah, store. Absolutely. I, we were just working with a client and, and we're looking at a list of um, uh, apps to consider. It's like $300 a month for an app. That's that's the equivalent to what they'd be paying for the subscription to big commerce. So, you know, you're doubling your subscription by adding one app. Uh, but again, it's, it's really so case by case, and it just, it's really important for a business to understand the importance of this, this total cost of ownership uh, calculation, I think. Um, do you think because now Magento 2, let's call it mature. <laughs> I mean, it's been around, it'll be 10 years next year. I think it'll be, you know, officially around. Do you think that it's now sort of stabilized? I've seen much less downtime in projects and I've also seen, and I commented on this Twitter on Twitter last week, that the fact that hardware has caught up with the with the code base, the sites are and if and if you're using something like Hoofa, the sites are blazingly fast. Like a lot of the complaints that people had in the past, no longer happen because a your your server you can get now has 96 gigs of memory and whatever <laughs> terabytes of drive space. And then, um, you know, the, there, there is now a new theme that helps to provide a really robust performance experience for the client. Yeah, it's um, what you just said is, is kind of the minority opinion, at least if you pay attention to the voices online. Um, but I think you're right on. And, and I think um, 
a lot of what has happened over the past year, two years, um, I mean, I don't want to toot their horn too much because I think it has to do with a lot of what Adobe and the community have done with the platform. But I think Whova came in at really the right time where people were still struggling. And Whova offered a different way to do a much lighter weight development um, process, I guess. I'm not technical, so I apologize if uh, I'm, I'm bungling the, the terminology here, but it certainly made it easier and faster for development. Um, and it ended up um, giving clients sites that were also much more performant. So I think in, in some way that alone revitalized the community to demonstrate what actually can be done with this latest and greatest technology. Um, the challenge still for many merchants, and I'll still say this is primarily for the kind of small to mid-sized merchant who is on Magento and need Magento still. Um, they don't want to go to Adobe Commerce because that, again, has its own subscription fee and it's costly to maintain. Um, and they hear all the great news about Whova and they hear all the great news about how the newer versions of Magento, but they have to then consider the cost of the upgrade. They have to then consider the cost of the theme migration. They have to consider all of their existing modules and what are the costs going to be related there. So it's not a slam dunk for me, uh, for companies who are on Magento today and are looking at that migration and adding up what it's going to cost them. Again, what's the return on that investment? It might be a great return, much faster site, much uh, more efficient dev time, but it's kind of hard to see that when, when you're looking at the, the dollar signs add up. Now for new sites or B2B businesses, it's a no brainer, you know, jump on Whova, build that site with that theme and, uh, and um, yeah, you'll be in, you'll be in a good place from the get go. Now, before we get into talking about the different versions of Magento, I do want to just ask about Shopware, which is now very active in the United States and has that same sort of feeling, at least from the European standpoint of community and how they're running their product. Um, have you had a chance to look at that? And and actually, I think yesterday on the on the 29th of January, they released a, a mid-market report that was talking about how mid-market merchants are often overlooked. Like maybe they're bigger, too big for Shopify, but Adobe Commerce now has completely ignored them. Is there a is there a is there a space for another open source platform in the United oh, States? Oh, sure, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, I think that you know, if is there space? How many e-commerce platforms are out there today? And I'm not just talking about the Magic Quadrant. <laughs> I mean. There yeah, are there's so got to be 50 many. or 100, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, so, of course, there's plenty of room. Someone's going to decide that it's the, the perfect platform for them. What, what's interesting to me is that I think when you have the likes of a shopware or a commerce tools, or to some extent, uh, Kibo or Spryker in different ways, but this is all competition and Adobe can either ignore it and focus on their core products, or they can pay attention to it and try to really maintain what has been a leadership role in e-commerce. 
And I think that Adobe recently has started to pay a lot more attention. And I think Shopware is very innovative. And um, I think, I mean, I don't, we don't work with it. Um, but I know that at least Ben Marks is a part of the, the, um, the team over there. And he has a fantastic reputation uh, within the Magento and Adobe community. And I think that I think they're likely to become a solid player in the US. I, I don't, my perception is they're not there yet, but it's also bringing a great deal of competition into the market, which I think is always good. Yeah, I think that if we just talk about AI for a second, they were way ahead of the game in providing as core features AI, where, well, I, let me just back up. Adobe Commerce slash Magento offered AI, but way back in 2018 with Adobe Sensei, and everybody seems to never, it never caught on. I don't understand why. Well, that's because I mean, it was I, enterprise. You, it was enterprise. Yeah, they should have. They should have. They should have always made it available to everybody. But still, even for Adobe Commerce clients, um, it's not front and center. You you should be using Adobe Sensei, and here's all the things that it should do. And I was at that very first uh, Adobe Summit slash Magento of Imagine when the teams came together and we got to sign up for the beta program for Adobe Sensei. And and then it kind of just all fizzled out from there. But I think you're right. You hit it on the head, the um, Adobe not providing some of these features, even as a paid feature in the open source market, gets them revenue and a client, right? Maybe yeah. that's a part they're missing out on. Well, their work, from what I understand, Adobe, I think a lot of what has gone on within Adobe, <laughs> this is just my guess, is that they've been reconsidering how they want to operate, how they want to drive the product forward, the commerce products forward. Um, and so as far as I understand, they're moving to this core of Adobe commerce cloud, which then you will have these apps that similar to the other SaaS platforms will be cloud-based apps that you can plug into the core platform and we'll, we'll see time will tell, are you paying a subscription fee or are you not? So this is, this is a very interesting time. And I also, I, I am curious to see how Adobe plays it. Is this ever going to be kind of, or, or be maintained as its own, like Adobe Commerce Cloud is like a core product, or is it always going to be a, a kind of secondary element that their larger clients who are using all of their other tools plug in when they need it. I, you know, that's, it's really a question that's just because I don't think it's a huge, I think it's 5% of their, of their, um, annual revenues right now, but, um, so anyway, yeah, I'm curious it's very to small. See how that plays out. My opinion is yes, they do show up at all the conferences and, and they, they have a presentation that they give, which is, seems like it hasn't changed in two years now. Uh, and they tell us that they're involved in the community and they are committed to the community. And then, you know, for example, last year was the first in-person Adobe Summit. There was hardly anything about commerce at the Adobe Summit. So they do talk, yeah. but I'm, I think what the community really needs is to see some things that are put into action by Adobe to help. help. And I'll, I'll say they need to repair some of that uh, damage that has been caused or fracturing in the community. 
that has that that has been caused by however they are dealing with the community, which leads us into the next topic, which would be Adobe Commerce versus Magento Open Source versus Mage OS. And you hate to say verse, but really they are all. Maybe there's an alignment between Adobe Open Source and Adobe Commerce, but certainly Mage OS is is a complete uh, a complete fork, which it really is a fork from the actual product, right? And and everything about it, they want to do their own thing. Yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts related to this. One is follow the money. Um, what does Adobe Commerce? What does Adobe incentivize? Um, if we think about agencies who are their partners, agencies like to be partners and they like to be gold partners. You know, they, the bronze, okay, fine. Silver, yeah, that's good. Gold, platinum, whatever. The only way that Adobe incentivizes agencies to progress is if they are selling Adobe Commerce products. You don't get credit if you are bringing a merchant on to Magento Open Source. So what exactly is the incentive there? So I, I, that's kind of, I'll leave that question there. Um, I think that Adobe makes money on Adobe Commerce, Adobe Commerce Cloud. They don't make money on Magento open source other than uh, by way of taking the free services of the community and then adapting those into their paid platform, which is fantastic, great for them. Um, I think that in this may have changed in the past year or two. Um, I think the writing was on the wall and there was a lot of fear in the Magento community that Adobe was doing exactly what they have been doing, moving more into that enterprise space, moving more to incentivize the paid programs and really giving short shrift to the Magento open source platform out of that concern out of that fear was born Mage OS, which is the fork currently still just a mirror of the current Magento open source code base. Um, there's nothing, as far as I understand, there's nothing substantially different that would make anyone want to go onto Mage OS right now as it is just a mirror. But I think that what Mage OS is, is an insurance that if Adobe continues to do things that the community doesn't like, that maybe there would be a fracture. I'm not promoting that. I'm not encouraging that. And, and I think that there's a lot to be said for the two or all of the entities working together to make it as successful as possible. That's honestly my, my major hope. But I, I view Mage OS as an insurance policy against just kind of capitalist tendencies, no shame. You know, they need to make money. Their board needs to, you know, be happy. So they got to do what they got to do. But the community also still wants their open source e-commerce platform. And it's built up over so many years with the blood, sweat and tears of so many developers. Nobody wants it to go away. So I think that Mage OS is a great program and um, I, hope it, I hope it stays. And maybe it kind of all becomes one. Magento open source is let go and it becomes Mage OS. I don't know. 
I don't know. I'd love to hear your it, thoughts on that too. I mean, that's a great way to look at it as an insurance policy. Um, and, and it does give the merchants an extra, you know, a little bit more, um, uh, comfort that there's going to be a product for them in the that's long right. term. That's um, a great I think point. that, um, right now, a Magento association has to be the bridge because I don't think Adobe wants to talk to Mage OS and they don't see, they, they see it as a threat rather than a ally. Um, where major op- for the where the Magento open source product is is still part of what Adobe does, um, the the Mage OS um, the idea of Mage OS then do you see it as uh, as a substantial well let's just put put out this scenario because a lot of people have said this that you know Adobe could then forget about the open source, they would leave the open source product up to Mage OS to develop new features. They would, they would essentially stagnate the core. They would offer, you know, obviously uh, they would offer bug and, and security patches, uh, but everything else, new features is going to happen in Mage OS, which I think this is what the plan is from the Mage OS side. And from the Adobe commerce side, I think the plan is like you said earlier, Everything is going to be a subscription. Everything is going to be a SaaS. And they've even talked about splitting out a catalog. They'll have a catalog SaaS product that right. will be a plug-in for Magento. Yep. Yep. Uh, and they'll start splitting not into a microservice, but into a, I think that uh, they had Check originally out. called it isolated services where they can uh, split the whole thing up. All that would be made into into um, into a SaaS product. And now you suddenly you get rid of the whole PHP stack and you have all these little pieces you could put together similar to commerce tools where you allow everything to run uh, as a SaaS. Um, I I just wanted to get your feedback on that, I guess. Sorry. Um, I, I think that's, that's, that's likely Um, what, you know, if I were to paint a picture that I would prefer, I would prefer that um why can't we all just get along you know like adobe the magento association uh mage os you know instead of considering each other as kind of contrarians or antagonists um consider everyone trying to help businesses succeed online through this exceptional technology and yes, there are different priorities. I understand that. And Adobe is, they just have a different set of priorities. It, it, it is not incompatible with the priorities of the Magento Association, of the Magento community, and of Mage OS. It is not incompatible. And I think that those three organizations should and I think must come together and map out a plan rather than letting it just kind of happen. You know, well, we don't really know how it's all going to play out. Well, like if you got together and told everyone how is it going to play out, everyone would be happy. They might complain a little bit here and there, but at least people would be more secure in knowing what's going to happen. And I mean, honestly, these days with kind of everyone feeling a little bit on edge, uh, economically, at least, um, that small degree of certainty would really help. 
Yeah, what I've heard Adobe say behind the scenes is they don't want to commit to anything because they don't want it to be in print that they committed to something. And I feel like they should be at least saying, here's our plan, here's our perceived roadmap. It's not set in stone, but at least here's some ideas where we're going right now. And it could change in a year. Everything's every everything needs to change. You know, we, a, a year ago, November, nobody had heard of ChatGPT, and suddenly it you know it changed the world in in a month or two, right? So I think Adobe knows that, but I think they're also very afraid of of committing themselves to any one path because they want to be the flex. They want to have that flexibility. Um, the last well, thing I, I just that, wanted to you know yeah go ahead if 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 they're concerned about um, about revenues, I think they should recognize that any further delay along those lines uh, will only encourage their competitors to continue eating their lunch. Because I don't think, I mean, I would be curious to see an objective analysis of Magento open source and Adobe Commerce. Adobe Commerce has been growing because a lot of great salespeople at Adobe have convinced Magento open source clients to move up to Adobe Commerce. That's my opinion. But there are a larger number of Magento businesses who have gone to Shopify, who have gone to big commerce and who will go to Shopware and enterprise clients who are going to Salesforce, who are going to Oracle. You know, I mean, the, there are options out there and the longer it takes Adobe to map out a plan and publish that plan and make it known, the more opportunity there is for that competition to continue doing what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's you, you hit it on the head right there. So um, I think you mentioned you were at the last you were at Meet Magento New York this this year or the year before last year, I should say. Were you at the one previously as well? Yes. The last two years? Yes. So yes, with the Venn diagram, you, yes, right. And you heard, uh, you heard, uh, as Ritesh, I think who who said, I think he gave the same speech, right? I, I mean, I I hate to poke holes into at Adobe, but they they need to come up with something new that the community will listen to. Yeah, um, rather than just placating. Yes, and I think that's what we. They, what I, I honestly, I think they've been placating us since 2018. As us as the community, I should say. Which, and again, you know what? Honestly, I, I can't really blame them. They want to string along the community for as long as they can. There is benefit in maintaining that community for as long as they can. And they know it. And it's dollars. It is real dollars to them. So there is value there to them. But it's a financial value. It's not a philosophical or principled value, I would say. And anyone who yeah. believes otherwise, mm, I don't know. I Good. Good on you. You know, you, right. I, I like that optimism. Yeah. We've had six years of history. There's five and a half years of history to show yeah. us what's going to happen. So anyways, yeah. so Tim, um, we have a few minutes left. Um, what, what do you think is going to, what, 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 what's the things we're going to see coming up now this next year, 2024 in e-commerce? What, what should be, what should we be looking for? If I'm a merchant, what should I be looking for from, from an uh, agency and even from a platform? Yeah, I think for, for, for me, 2023 was the year of, um, security. Like I, and, um, like concern over security and malware and hacks. And like, I, I felt like that was 
going to get a lot more attention in 2023. I don't know that really did. But anyway, 2024 for me is all about ROI, return on your investment. Uh, everyone needs to make sure that what they're doing is going to bring concrete value to their business. So I like to think that's what's going to happen in 2024. I am interested. Um, there, there have been a lot of um, hacks in 2023 for large organizations that operate in the cloud. I am a little anxious about what might happen in the next year or two for large cloud-based platforms. So that's just a concern. Um, I'm not predicting anything. I'm just saying I am anxious about that. Um, but you can see how that that could become very relevant for a platform like Magento Open Source, which is this on-prem self-hosted, not part of a much larger um, cloud uh, operation. So um, I think that Shopify is going to make a very successful pitch in the enterprise space. Um, I think big commerce is going to continue growing bit by bit. And I think they will start to make a larger place for themselves in the market. And I think Magento open source will consolidate and the agencies committed to it will double down as iron plane has to really stay with it. Um, even amidst the Adobe going this way and then Shopify taking, you know, and big commerce taking up that, that part of the market. Um, my, my, my little bit of comment on the community space is I, I haven't seen a, a enthusiastic Shopify community and maybe they do one commerce, they do one conference <clears throat> conference, but there's not a, a enthusiastic groundswell of community. And maybe it's because it's more of a one and done thing. Or it more, is, it's more it's, 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 yes, I think it, there is an enthusiastic community, but the community is a community of merchants that are enthusiastic mm. about it. It's not a community of developers. It's not a community of, of agencies. I, I do think that from the people that I've talked to who are on Shopify, they're quite happy with it. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. we don't, we, it's not a, it's not a main business of ours. I mean, we will do it if we need to. And when we, when, when appropriate, but, um, so I think it is a different community. Yeah. I mean, that's that the end result, right? That's what people want. If they're happy with their platform, they're not going to make a change at all. Right. And if they're yeah. upset or they're not happy with the way things are going, if for example, there's a platform without a commercially available front end, that's, that's relevant to the, this century. Uh, yep. then they're going to choose something different. Um, and that is a plug at the Luma theme, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim, so as we close out, um, and thank you for this time, uh, I give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug. What would you like to plug today? Uh, I will plug Iron Plane. So any merchants listening to this who are asking themselves the questions about what we've been discussing, which platform should I really be on? How do I calculate my total cost of ownership? You can find us at ironplane.com. We're relatively active on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Tim Bucciarelli. Um, I'm always happy to have conversations about e-commerce and uh, 
you know, as director of engagement, I'm not billable. So you don't have to worry about that. That's awesome. And I'll make sure I get all those into the show notes. Uh, Tim, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. Have a great weekend. Likewise, Brent. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Talk Commerce is a production of Content Basis, LLC. For more creative content, go to contentbasis.io. 